Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined of course by my brother, Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And today is Current Events Monday, where we break down what the heck happened in Current Events from a biblical perspective and try not to panic. I feel like we lose our sanity each passing week. Um, so today, there's uh, a lot of immigration stuff to talk about because stuff happened, stuff went down last week, and Jake's going to break some of that for us. And then he's also going to go into a theological warm-up discussing more things on that topic and giving a voice to the voiceless specifically, um, which I think is phrased so well. And the verses he covers and the concepts and topics are tremendous. So definitely stay tuned for that. And then finally, to wrap it all up at the end, I plan to give a quick and brief theological discussion, theological wrap up that I've called loving all your neighbors. And uh, we'll see, we'll see where that goes. And uh, yes, this book is involved. Christian nationalism by Stephen Wolf. So <clears throat> buckle up. <laughs> Heresy. Buckle up, y'all. It's about to get rough in here. Uh, but Jake did it. I can officially blame him for this one. He brought up immigration. What else was I supposed to do? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's the face. Um, so thank you all. Uh, by the way, we are on all sorts of social medias. Find us on Gab at TRD Show at Gab, Facebook, and Instagram. You can follow real. TRD show on Twitter, the artist formerly known as Twitter, now called X. And uh, you can also follow us on Getter. Dude, our Getter page. You're not, not calling it X. Um, dude, our Getter page is skyrocketing. It's kind of crazy. Um, I did not know that there were so many, like, uh, solid Christians that, like, agree with our stance on so many things on Getter. I think Getter might be the platform where people are sharing our content the most, which is oh. really interesting. Like reposting interesting. it like crazy. So it is interesting. Pretty cool. Not Gab. It's pretty cool. Not Gab. Gab was. Uh, we have some really good followers. David, David A, I think it is, if you're listening. Thank you so much for sharing all of our stuff. You share like basically every post we put out. So thank you for that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He likes, gives us a salute sometimes, which is awesome. Um, Shout out. Super. Yeah, shout out. Thank you, David. We appreciate all of your work. <laughs> and your name. It's a cool name. Um, so before we get into all that, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week. Our verse passage really this week is Psalm 22, 27 through 28. You should know us. We can't help ourselves. If we find a good verse, we eh, squeeze a few more around it. <laughs> Give it some cushioning, right? It's nice and safe. Uh, Psalm 22, 27 through 28 says... All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and, the, and he rules over the nations. Again, that's Psalm 22, verses 27 and 28. Wow. It doesn't get much more post-millennial than that. <laughs> all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and the families of the nation shall worship before you. Kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. That language is so strong, so full of victory, so full of hope. And what I love about this is that, well, I love the whole thing, but one part of it, if I were to pull out one specific spot, would be just the, the broadness of it. 
and we've been harping on this actually the last couple of weeks, the, the broad encompassing kingship of Christ, lordship of Christ over everything, right? Like this isn't just saying just a few areas of the world, just a few nations, just a few people groups. No, no. All the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. I don't know about you, but I don't see a parenthesis parenthesis in there that says he rules over the nations. (laughs) Except, you know, Egypt and Pakistan and and Russia. Those three are, they can do whatever they want. Uh, North Korea, yeah, no, that's, it can do whatever it wants. Or really any nation in our current society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, there is no asterisk. There is only, he rules over the nations, all the nations. So short and sweet, we're going to be talking about this throughout the week. So I don't want to keep going on with that blabbering on, but um, I hope that uh, you'll tune in on our, for our Wednesday episode and our Friday episode where we chat about this a little further. All right, dude, what do you got for us? What the heck happened with immigration Bills, people, I'm a little out of the loop, to be honest. What happened with immigration last week? So, I mean, I don't, this this past Friday, okay? So, and for those listening and for those listening to this way later on, uh, that would be September 21st. No? Yes. September 21st. I, w- I was half thinking, I was like, oh, are we still in August or is this September now? No, <laughs> in September. Uh, but 10 people uh, were arrested for protesting and blocking a bus carrying illegal immigrants to Staten Island. And Staten Island mm. is part of New York. Um, I think it's actually a section of New York City specifically, or I may be completely wrong on that. I do not look at I think the, you're right. Uh, the geographicalness of New York. I really don't care. Um, of course, <laughs> we don't it's know our no surprise. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, it's no surprise that we throw peaceful protesters in jail while rioters who destroy buildings and private stores get to continue people, continue killing people, and the American government doesn't even bat an eye. So. <laughs> Eric Adams on this issue, which Eric Adams, for those who don't know, is the mayor of New York, um, had some things to say. In an interview, Mr. Adams said, we have 8.3 million New Yorkers, and we cannot allow the numerical minority that's showing an ugly display of how we deal with the crisis to be used as an example of what New Yorkers are doing. And that that's what he said. So... Thinking through this, right, it, at first it's kind of like an uh, interesting argument, uh, but once you happen to, like, just look at this and just think about it for a second, and I thought I would do that here on the show, I want to just make clear what he's saying, uh, because what he's, if, for, for the people to accurately display their frustration, for them to, um, just to, to basically put out there what they think, what they believe, what he's calling for in order for him to actually consider this just or for him to consider this an actual frustration of the people. You're saying that 4.3 million people need to be walking in the streets protesting this before it's considered, (laughs) before you consider it 
uh, accurate before you consider it an accurate display of New Yorkers? Because the reason they say 4.3 is because that's half or 51% of 8.3 million. So as long as it's the majority, now it now it is right. So at that point, there are more than just buses stopped. You have all traffic stopped. Uh, and now you have the entirety of New York in a standstill because you have 4.3 million people walking the streets trying to actually get the ear of this mayor. So uh, moving on. And to show that this is not only happening in New York, this is not just a small sect of people. I want to actually show you that this is a majority of people um, and that it's not just a majority in New York, but a majority in so many other places. In Chicago, the city council is up in arms because of the rampant crime around migrant shelters. Of course, these cities were met with leftist trigger words like racist and nonsense oh, and racists uh they were called racist and they were you know whatever all the other all the other trigger words whatever nonsense yep. that is and that 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 occurred where the where the council the city council was bringing stuff up that happened in July of this year and even then right back in July the city council feared that these migrant shelters might cause violence and that might start spread throughout the city. Who knows where we are now? Because all the way back then and things weren't taken care of, who knows how much that has grown and how worse that's gotten. One last point before I move on to my wrap-up. Along with this, we have the reports of the Colonia in Texas, which... I spoke about this before, and I gave more information about it. Uh, if you want to find that, and here's a small little plug, um, instead of having to scroll through all of our videos on Rumble, you can go to our website and you use our new search function to search uh, keywords, which should allow you to find the episode a little bit easier. But uh, without that plug, to continue on, this area, this colonia, is a group of immigrants that have come over and have basically created their own country within our country, right? It's, it's in, sen in a sense, it's like what was going on with BLM, where this whole sect of black people within cities, and it's not just black people, a lot of white people were in there too, but it just was a lot of rampant violence. It, it was basically a, a, a group or a, um, a section of the country that was lawless, that had no law. And like Chaz, we, they created CHOP. And that's what I was things. speaking to, yes. Yep, the yep. Chaz, the CHOP, yes. Um, that, this area, this colonia, back in when I was speaking about it before, it was no bigger than maybe a town. Um, however, it has now grown to the size of New Jersey. Oof. Yeah, the entirety of, well, I'm not saying New Jersey itself, but just take New Jersey and set it in Texas, and now you've got your know, Colonia. And wow. of course, like I said, it's basically a land of lawlessness, and just, and is just as violent as if it was previously, when I was speaking about it before, 
because there's no law enforcement, there, there is no law. Those who, who want to see Romans 1 in action in front of their eyes, that, there's the place to go. And of course, <laughs> I am joking, because please do not go there unless you want to get yourself killed. Lastly to this, I, I, I brought up everything else before to show the violence. I, I brought up Chicago and I brought up the, the Colonia to specifically mention the violence and things that are happening because of something this comedian said. Louis C.K., a comedian on a talk show, stated that we should let people pour over the border and if people get murdered, then people get murdered. Hmm. It's basically what yep. he said. So yep. to the people who get outraged over us talking about abortion, well, if it just saves one life, yeah, do we save we one life or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm still, I'm still quite, uh, quite annoyed about that. <laughs> that we. That we, we don't understand this yet, that we can be completely, and this is what I want to say, is do we just let people over the border until we realize all, all, all Americans are dead and the U.S. is now annexed to South America? The, <laughs> and the left and these crazy people are the ones who are schizophrenic, right? They believe one thing when it comes to one, one argument. They believe another thing when it comes to a different topic. So, yeah. whatever. And without that rabbit trail, there's more to cover. And I, and I don't, I, before I continue, I don't want it to sound like that I believe in completely closed borders. I believe in, in something that's a little bit nuanced than closed border or open border. And, and I think Bruce I will be, bring this up. Yeah. Yes. I was just going to say, I'll be detailing some of that. And I think it's what Jake believes. Maybe we'll have that conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, detailing at least what I believe on a mix between the two later. Right. So this leads me to my theological warm-up. This is just to warm the water so everyone can start getting used to this uh, boiling water when it gets to Bruce. And this (laughs) is giving a voice for the voiceless. Or I liked the way that Bruce put it better uh, when he said it. I have it written down as the voice for the voiceless. But I think whatever Bruce said oh. was, was a little better, better word, wording. <laughs> um, but this is pleading the widow's cause. And this is what I want to focus on. I'd like to share why we should be protesting as Christians. Why is protesting a good idea? Why, why would that be something that as Christians who, who believe in a different way of doing things, not just violently getting angry... At things, we should do things differently as Christians, as God states. But I want to make the case as to why protesting is something that we should be doing as Christians. And why exactly we need to stand up for those. And why, we, why exactly we need to stand up and block buses. right? Why we need to do what these people did in New York. Isaiah 1.17 says, Learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. The minority stands to bring the case of the fatherless and the widow to the civil government. 
and yes, these verses, and there are several more verses I want to cover, but yes, these verses talk about the civil government because they're talking about justice. They want to bring justice. They plead the widow's cause. It's the job of the civil government to bear the sword, to bring judgment. Um, and to directly show this, I wanted to bring up the KJV. The KJV says, learn to do well, seek judgment. Which judgment has a, a, a little bit of a different connotation to it than just saying, bring justice. Bring judgment has this sense of punishment, has this sense of um, uh, bringing the sword. Whereas saying justice should have the connotation of bringing the sword, but I don't know, it doesn't really have that feel to it. So I thought the KJV had a really nice wording there to really show what this is talking about. So while those people, while those people are standing there are similar in number, they're speaking for a more specific, more significant majority. While these mm. people in New York are small, and yeah. as Eric Adams says, they are a minority, Right, they're they're small in number. They're not they're not the majority of people. I feel I don't think we can say that. I think while those people standing there are a minority of yeah. people, they speak for a majority. Of, mm -hmm. It's funny that they would say that that they would be like, oh, they're just a minority. We should, we don't have to listen to them. When for the longest time in America, well, and even still today. The LGBTQ people who are mentally deranged and evil sexually, perverting what God has made good, those people were in the minority and are still, and yet that's their whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know, let's take this perversion yeah. and make it streamlined. Let's make this perversion, these people who are off their rockers, sinning ridiculously, let's make them all powerful and listen to everything yeah. they have to say and exalt them above everyone else. And it's like, isn't that your MO? Oh, I get it. That's only if it suits your agenda. If they vote for you and give you money and power and well, God, it's, so you're not actually just for the, you're not really for the minority. You're just for, well, is the minority, are they going to give me money or not? <laughs> That's what you're yeah. for on the, on the left. Yep. So I believe that New Yorkers, right, obviously we don't believe that all New Yorkers are sane because they're still there, um, They that they, but I would say that at least most of them don't want all the immigrants coming to their homes, murdering, stealing, and doing drugs. I, I would say that it would at least be logical that these people wouldn't want their houses broken into, all of their possessions stolen, and for their houses to be destroyed and for their possessions to be taken. That would be the logical course of action, maybe. And if you, if someone does want to bring up that maybe not all New Yorkers believe that, then I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with for New York at that point. But, but that we, we I, I hopefully can say this with confidence. And Partly I say this with confidence because I see all of these articles that are demonstrating clearly that people are fed up, right? That showed the article. There are people protesting, saying that they don't, that they want to stop this bus. I would hope that they are speaking for a larger majority. 
that people would actually agree with that. And it's just yep. Eric Adams saying that they don't. Let me give a couple more verses to define my point. Psalm 82.3 says, Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Psalm 68.4-5 Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exalt before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Lastly, I want to bring up this verse pertaining to immigration, and this is what we're talking about. And it's a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I saw it as I was re researching, and I thought it would bring some good insight to the debate of open border, closed border, from a Christian perspective. And it also gives a little bit more... Uh, to to my point of what I want to speak about. But first with this verse, and, and I understand a lot of these are Psalms. Um, it's not necessarily something I can help. Psalms is actually very good when it comes to a lot of things. So Psalms 146 verse 9, and it says, The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Mm. So with this, I want to bring a little bit of nuance that we don't only uphold, we don't always uphold the will of the widow because it's the will of the widow or it's the, 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 the cause of the widow, right? We uphold it because it is not wicked. We, hold, we uphold it mm. through a righteous understanding. And this is giving that sort of nuance. That we watch over the sojourners. We uphold the widow and the fatherless. However, God brings ruin to the wicked. It has to be within the right understanding. However, I do also want to speak to this fact. The Bible speaks a lot, especially in Exodus, about the foreigner or sojourner. And of course, we are to be kind to strangers in our land. However, I also want to note the last little bit of that verse. We love the sojourner. We, we, yeah, sorry. We hate, as God hates, the evildoer, right? We do not like when people do evil. We shouldn't. God will not stand for the amount of evil we've allowed into our country. And this may be through putting more restrictions on the border, maybe. I don't fully agree either way that it should be fully closed or fully opened. Again, nuance. Yeah. There has to be a nuance. And really, we could follow this verse and have open borders as long as our civil government was just. Maybe. If we would yeah. say, if our civil government was completely just, we could say, maybe... That we have completely open borders and things will take care of themselves because we actually uphold God's law. And if someone does something evil, it's stamped out. But I will end it there and give it to Bruce. Cool. That was great, Jake. All right. So I got seven minutes, six minutes. I'm going to try and blow through this as quickly as I can. Loving all your neighbors is what I called this. And hopefully that title will be apparent by the time we get to the end of this. And a lot of what I'm about to say is going to tie in very closely to some of the awesome points that Jake just made. So pay attention to that. <laughs> um, when two or more 
Christians discuss immigration and they disagree with each other. <clears throat> Very often the positions can be condensed to two views. Two views. So A, uh, the position A might be loving your neighbor means letting people into America so they can have a better life and hear the gospel. Right? That might be position A. Position B on the other side might be if you let anyone and everyone into the country, you're not loving your neighbor because the probability of horrible criminals harming them will increase dramatically. And additionally, the latter might argue, if they're informed theologically to some extent, that bringing in more people who don't have a Christian understanding of the world will harm the, uh, the spiritual future of our nation. Right. So hopefully a lot of that makes sense. So those are the two arguments we're going to be kind of um, building off of those two as we go through this. But I think both of those arguments, I believe, have some biblical merit and could be fairly well argued using a plethora of scriptural texts. The difficulty is in determining what biblical principles we have before us to apply today. Specifically, in the New Covenant, some things are different, and some are simply improved from the old. As an example, the glorious wisdom of our Creator is now something we're told to take to all the nations and train them from the ground up, right? We train these nations, all the nations, from the ground up in the wisdom, the glorious wisdom of our Creator. Part of this wisdom being shared and applied openly, which is different from the Old Covenant, being shared openly means that things might get a little messy, for a while, as people are moving between wise and unwise places, right? That makes sense, I think. Um, or in more biblical terms, moving between confessional and unconfessional places. And you can see the confessional county by Raymond Simmons for more information on that, which we talked about before. It's a really good book. Part of our current predicament involves issues from both arguments mentioned earlier. Even jellyfish churches today do not love their neighbors as they should, nor are they working to develop a distinctly Christian culture in their own residences. That's a huge problem. We're currently equipped in most of America. We aren't currently equipped, sorry, to assimilate foreign cultures well. This is true in terms of infrastructure, our current fiscal situation, and most especially our spiritual stamina and strength before God. We just aren't prepared to bring in new people and assimilate them well into our culture. It's not something we can do at the moment. America is chock full of baby Christians. And unfortunately, it's severely lacking in the mature Christians department. And I think we can hopefully all agree on that front. This is bad for many reasons, many, many reasons. But the one pertaining to immigration boils down to the fact that we've got a huge pile of logs in our own eyes and we don't even realize it. But at the same time, we stupidly think, foolishly believe, we're perfectly equipped to take the speck out of our brother's eye. Right? We're not. We aren't equipped to do that. Now, going back to the central point, I said I believed in um, both sides. I said I believe both sides could make biblical arguments. On the one hand, loving our neighbor is vitally important. Anyone who's been a Christian for even just a few short months could tell you that the Bible harps on loving other people more than yourself all the time. That should be fairly obvious, right? So, we should naturally want to help provide people with a better life and a chance at seeing the gospel lived out in real time right in front of their eyes. We should be dying for a chance for people to see that and come to Christ and see the gospel lived out right in front of them. And that hits them. And they're like, whoa, that's so different. I want that. We should be dying for that. That should be great. <clears throat> and if we were truly living that way in America, 
then your point is well seen, and I couldn't agree more with that argument. Yeah, that's great. We should totally want people to come in and see us living that way and be assimilated into that very strong Christian culture. Yeah. But as I addressed earlier, we aren't living that way. So what's to be done? Well, the other side of the argument might provide another part of the answer. Some would argue that the Bible calls for civil government to defend the righteous, and that part of this means closing the border. So defending the righteous, that's part of what the Bible calls civil government to do, and part of that is closing the border. And I would argue that the Bible does give civil government the duty of defending the righteous, and that a valid argument can be made for the tightening uh, for tightening the funnel used to allow people to cross into America based on that duty, right? So it makes sense to tighten that funnel to say, we're going to restrict you can come in because we're protecting the righteous. And we're doing that in this very specific way with, a, with that specific goal in mind, right? Um, to round out this very brief conversation on the topic, I'd like to pull in a related concept that I, that I hope piques your interest and prompts you to dig a little deeper so that we're not going to explore this whole concept, but I want to introduce you to it. And hopefully it piques your interest and you're like, oh, I want to know more about this. Right? Part of being in a culture means loving the people in the culture that you're in and being naturally attached to them. This strengthens the bonds of the culture and has the potential to bring about an incredibly flourishing society. This natural affection, as Doug Wilson likes to call it, is what the left is trying to call racism these days, right? So they call it racism. We say, nope, it's not racism, it's something else. Um, and I think Stephen, Dr. Stephen Wolf fleshes that out really well in his book. He said, quote, the fall did not introduce the natural instinct to love one's own. And grace does not critique or subvert our natural inc inclinations to love and prefer those nearest and most bound to us. The fall introduced the abuse of social relations and malice towards ethnic difference. Grace corrects this abuse and malice, but it does not introduce new principles of human relations. The instinct to love the familiar more than the foreign is good and remains operative in all spiritual states of man. End quote. That's page 117 to 118 in the case for Christian nationalism. There's much more that could be said on this topic, and I know I'm leaving things off in a bit of a strange place, but we're out of time. And I just wanted to get across the point that the subject is not as simple as it might first appear. And additionally, if you take nothing else away from this wrap-up, I hope I've made a strong case for why we desperately need to be about the business of constructing a Christian culture. Christ is king of every part of society, and we need to act like it. Quote, Wherefore, God has also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 9-11. So hopefully this was informative. If you have questions, that's awesome. I would think you probably would after all that. <laughs> Send them our way, trdshow at protime.com. You can also check out our show website, which is trdshow.net, and leave your comments below. Like us on Instagram, Facebook, Gab, Getter, and X. And uh, let us know what you are interested in hearing next on the show. Thanks for watching and listening. We'll see you on Wednesday when we break down the final four chapters in the book Prince Caspian. That's right. We're wrapping up that book. You do not want to miss our Wednesday episode. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you then. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.